welcome back to another episode of the rec center he's jack ferris i'm lindsey joy and jack our time in east town is coming to a close uh how are you feeling about episode six out of seven do you want me to ask you how you're doing or do you just want to talk about kate winslet and what she's up to i yes it's 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 good and bad i'm bummed that we have just one more hour to spend in east town one more hour to spend with the cast and characters that sucks but what i am enjoying is the idea that they're not going to ruin it with another season okay do you know that for sure i don't know that but something tells me that kate winslet like knows what she has and she's just gonna like put this to bed and move on because they're not they can't do it without kate winslet a hundred percent. She's the star. She's everything. I, she looked really good this episode, by the way. Do you think she got prettier? I mean, she's just pretty, but I, they try to make her rougher. And for some reason I thought this episode, she was just, she looked better. But, um, with, with another season, I don't think she wants to do another season of TV would be my guess to, to do the time commitment. But I haven't heard them say that they're for sure. I mean, like they, with big little lies, they could do that. They could do another season. Yeah, that was a mistake. Season two of Big Little Lies was not great. Outside of Laura Dern, who was a triumph. Oh, Laura Dern. Yes, I thought. Um, I was thinking Meryl Streep. I didn't like Meryl Streep in season no. two. Season, but I, season two was a yeah dumb. Laura Dern was great. You're correct. Laura Dern you know, was fantastic. Was a, yeah, that was a correct take. Um, so I'm assuming they're not doing a Mary season two. I just don't know that for sure. And fool me once shame on me like i've just seen too many times them come back but i'm assuming kate Winslet. they're not help. they would have announced it they would have announced if they're doing a season two because there's no better time to announce a second season or extension of something while it's hot in the streets and it's mm-hmm. mayor's not getting any hotter than two weeks ago leading up to this week you know what i mean they would have they would have struck while the iron was hot so to speak okay and so no no news means no second season no news is good news for those who want things to end after one season, and honestly, I wouldn't want... East Town is obviously a place that has crime, but I wouldn't want to be like, okay, so now we have another missing girl next season. Like For me, the crime aspect of it, I think we're going to wrap this one up and everyone in East Town is going to go back to living their lives, their strange, messed up, incestuous lives. But I just don't think that we need another yeah. crime of this level. Because we've had two, my, by the way, two separate but very big crimes, right? We're Are we fully agreed that they're not connected? I don't know if we can make that assessment, but they're more likely not connected than connected. Um, the only plausible route to do a second season would be if they went like Broadchurch and did the the trial, mm-hmm. but that would be blatantly ripping off Broadchurch to the point mm-hmm. where the Broadchurch creators would be like, you know, this is imitation is the most sincere form of flattery. This is straight up you guys ripping us off. Yeah. Like a lawsuit level of uh yeah, this copyright is just, infringement there. Find your own way to entertain yourselves, America. You freaks. Yeah. So and give us I, Kate Winslet back. <laughs> it's true. We've um we've been blessed to have her on this side of the pond. So my perspective of last night's episode, Sunday's episode, number six out of seven, like I said, my biggest takeaways are who's in the picture and who put the gun in the tackle box. Do you have other big takeaways slash questions? Also, I have one more, sorry. I'm mad that we didn't get a reference to the rolling rock because obviously mayor has Billy's DNA, right? Or should, why did we not have a reference to 
a confirmed DNA test or Mare saying, I have his DNA. Why did we have to do the shot of the rolling rock? And then it didn't materialize this episode. All wonderful questions. And I, I think we should address them all. But before we get to the, where do you think we're at with who killed Aaron? Let's take a moment to bask in the brilliance of this show. That, I don't even know if you can call it a cold open because there's not like a title sequence, but that opening to the show where you're from her POV and you're like waking up in the hospital bed and her whole family's there was a hell of a way to get the ball rolling this episode. And that into, you know, the press conference, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Mayor going to, cause for like the first seven minutes, there was no reference of Colin. Right. So it felt weird. Mm-hmm. And then they, they gave us the payoff of her going to um, Colin's mom's house. She gives her the double slap. Can I say a quick thing? I was, I'm, yeah. I'm so deep in the Handmaid's Tale. I was unfazed by that because people in the Handmaid's Tale are just always slapping each other. And I have become desensitized to, sadly, women slapping women. And it, I just felt like I was watching another episode of uh, Elizabeth Moss and her antics. So anyway, sorry, that one felt a little too a little too close to home, but also normal at this point. Let me tell you why that scene and the subsequent subsequent scene was maybe my favorite part of the whole show at this point. Mare is a woman who lost her father to suicide, lost her son to suicide, is in the process of losing her grandchild, uh, lost her marriage over her son's suicide, has essentially lost her job at this point. You know, she's yet to be rehired, which is a whole nother conversation. And it's that conversation that doesn't go well with Colin's mom followed by her coming home in that crazy little middle landing they have at their front door and down below comes Jean smart. The first time in the series, someone greets someone at the door from down below rather than up above. Cause up above, especially when like Guy Pierce sh- showed up, it's like, Oh, you're going to date my daughter. Let me like look at you down judgingly. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is fun. Ha ha. It was the first time somebody looks up. This is I hate to get all like film nerdy on you, but I picked this up and I was loving it. And there's a connection to it towards the end. But Gene Smart asking Mayor how it went. There's no words for the next two minutes or 90 seconds, however long it is. They just collapse into each other's arms and Mayor is bawling. It's the first time in the show that Mayor is crying to my memory. So all those things have happened. And this is the first time she breaks down and has like a real human moment. Mm-hmm. And that is like, I was tearing up last night watching it. It was so there's, they didn't overwrite it, which is perfect. There's not a line of dialogue out of mayor in that scene. And she obviously has a lot of issues with her mom, but that was like, she needed her mom. She needed a hug from her mom. You know what I mean? She, it, that was in the hands of two lesser actors, that is like a a blow by scene that you don't care about. But if you go back and watch it again, I challenge you not to like appreciate how good it is. So again, hate to be all film nerd on you. That mixed, you know what I'm talking about? When you walk into yeah, the house and you have an option, you, the landing, you, you either go up or down, right? Yes. Obviously that's that's gone on at Mayor's house and you're always greeted up above. They, they look down at you and they greet you as you walk in. It also happened in Mr. Ross's house, the father of John and Billy, 
Okay. So John and his dad were trying to get his mattress in. John was worried about his dad because he was like hyperventilating. And then John's dad asked him, why did, you know, Lori kick you out this time? Mm-hmm. And John is a coward and says, you know, she thinks I'm having an affair. John's dad clearly sees right through him, like kind of reads him the riot act. So then Billy comes home, right? And John like kind of takes that that energy that I got from his dad, like the shame on you energy and like conveys it down onto Billy, who's like below him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, hey, you come help your older brother. Like John was like emasculated from his father. And so he parlayed that into emasculating his little brother. Like, hey, get up here and help your your big brother. And then for the first time ever, Billy like snaps back at John, pretty much says, fuck you, dude. Like you're the reason you got kicked out. And it's again, it's like juxtaposition of he's below his little brother. John's looking down. Billy's looking up. I might be one of a million people or one out of a million people who notice that, but I love that. And I think that's a choice. The mixed landing thing. How, when you're, when you walk into a situation, you're either looked up to or you're looked down upon. You know what I mean? It's not one or the other. You start at a at a position of advantage or disadvantage. So I only frame any of this in context of who's killing people. So I, I, again, my brain is not film nerding looking at things like this. And in the scene with the brothers, I do think that you're onto something with like John's the one in charge and Billy's just along for the murdery ride. But I would never have connected those two scenes in any kind of importance. I do think that there is something again well and this gets to who done it but i do think that there is something with the brothers where there's like a can we just get into it now are you done do you want to say anywhere on the film or stuff no i think that john is either the murderer or pulling the strings and billy's going to take the fall for either he was there or he was really drunk and like thinks he did it or something. I don't think Billy just killed Aaron and it's that simple, right? Yeah, of course. If you look back at that, the confession scene, when John says, Billy, I need to hear you say it. I need to hear you say I killed Aaron. I'm of the opinion that he was recording that conversation. And again, there's one shot when he's saying, I need to hear it. I need to hear you say it there. The camera is like, the view is like looking at them from the coffee table and then they hug. And then before they cut away, they cut from behind them, like looking at them at the table. And there's like 16 beers on the coffee table. So I think there was a long conversation of, they both know what happened. They both know John's probably responsible, but John has manipulated and convinced his little brother that it's best for everybody, everybody in the family, if he just takes the fall, because if not, they're both going to be in trouble kind of thing. I think John is the ultimate villain in this. He's the bad guy. And we saw it last episode. If he doesn't have a problem manipulating the emotions of his son for his own well-being, he has no pro- he's going to have no problem doing it to his little brother. You know what I mean? This guy is a sociopath to the nth degree. And I think it's only going to continue to unravel for him. But yeah, no, I think, I, I think we're led to believe that Billy is a bad, bad guy. But I think we're going to find out that Billy is kind of the victim of circumstance. And John, I mean, I'm sure Billy did something bad. Maybe, maybe he pulled the trigger, but I think we're going to find out that things got out of Billy's control and he was just reacting. Yeah. I think the two of them were there that night, right? In the I woods. think the two of them were there. And I think ultimately it's John's bad. Like John is the big time villain. Billy probably could have done something to prevent it. But yeah, I think, I think I'm pointing to John now. 
Do you think Billy's the father? I don't. I think John's the father. Yeah. So I just think if Billy was, that's why I thought we would get a definitive Rolling Rock DNA test in this one, because if we had to, like I said, that tight shot of it and, and Mare obviously was thinking he's probably the father, I'm going to take his DNA. If that's not resolved, if we don't get something from that, I'll be a little disappointed because it's like, why did you even bother doing that? And why did you even bother having the shot of the beer? Why was Billy just not drinking anything that that time? Well, no, I think, okay, yeah, you're right. And if you want to be disappointed that, I mean, that's your right. But I also think it wasn't necessarily, oh, there's my shot of DNA. It could have just been, that's like, who just cracks a beer and leaps? Like, it could be nothing uh, more than that. You know what I mean? I've, it could be just, that's weird that he just cracked a beer and bounced. But I don't even know, did he even take a sip out of it? And I think if she's, wor- if she's worried about DNA, he probably had two or three before he left. Like, the, the DNA is not an issue. Yeah, I just, again, I read it as someone who's watched too many episodes of Law and Order where they give the suspect in the interrogation room a, a Coke. Coke because yeah. they want to, you know, they want to drink out of it and then take their DNA from there. So that, that's how I read that scene was that it was, um, that she was thinking, I'm taking a DNA swab because he's the father. Um, yeah. Or I'm taking if the bottle in back, for a DNA swab. If you go back and watch that scene, the juxtaposition of um, Billy versus John, Billy is obviously like freaking out and sweating. And I, that's what I said. I was like, I was almost bummed out because I feel like it was overacted and too on the nose that uh, clearly we're supposed to suspect Billy now. But John is cool as a cucumber, unbothered, which is classic sociopathic behavior, you know? Like he's able to compartmentalize what he did versus what he's realized. Like in his mind, he's convinced himself that he had nothing to do with it in that scene. So he's able to just like shrug it off. Whereas Billy is a real person with a, with a conscience. I also liked in this one that Lori told on him <laughs> that Lori, like, he's like, you can't yeah. tell Mary, you can't tell Mary. And then Mary came in and she's like, the okay, this scene. is the deal. Yeah. The I scene. liked, I liked that we saw ultimately where Lori's allegiances lie. I think that'll come into play. But so we go back to the tackle box there. I, there were people who like reviews I read where people thought Billy put the gun in the tackle box, but I think it's John's and he found it. It's definitely John's. Okay. But gun. I, p- people, people read that as, as Billy. No. Okay, thank you. Okay, I just wanted to clarify. So I, hold on, pause. So at this point, we're led to believe that it's John's gun and mm-hmm. Billy knows that the gun's in there, but John doesn't know that Billy knows the gun's in there. But John kind of knows that Billy knows the gun's in there because when he says, give me the tackle said, box. no, and he, I got it. Yeah. So they don't know that we know that they know that we know, speaking of the Friends reunion is coming up on Tuesday. But I think John now sort of, when he gave him knows that, that look. Billy knows. Yeah. yeah. So then that gets to the end. Who is in the picture? Because what's weird to me, we agree it's like, a picture, right? Yeah. If it's, it's just picture, a picture, but if it's if it's a picture of her and Billy, they're cousins, second cousins, third cousins, cousins twice removed, whatever it's called. Um, are they kissing? Like it literally has to be a picture of like two people having sex for him to have that kind of reaction. Like get Mary on the phone, do it now. You know what I mean? Like it it, it how damning can that picture be? Yeah. And like it. it so is it a sonogram with John Ross's face on it? I don't understand. Yeah, it may. Uh, it's got to be a picture, or it's, or maybe a, maybe it's a note. I think it's like a, our little secret kind of thing, like signed John Ross, like I love you, like it's our little secret. I couldn't tell when she took it out of the journal, but in this episode, when he's looking at it at the end, to me, it looked exactly like a picture. But I just don't know what it could be a picture of to have that reaction because if it's a picture of her with John or Billy they were at this event together, it wouldn't be weird unless they're kissing, unless she's kissing John Ross, which would be a weird thing to do for John Ross to take a photo of that. Although I guess he's done weird things, 
But unless they're kissing, if it's a picture of her with either of them, it's not damning evidence. I don't understand. Yeah, I don't I don't know how if it is a picture of them just kind of like hugging, then I'll be disappointed. Like did the like the chief kind of overreacted there. Yeah. What if it's Get a picture on the phone? Do it now. What if it's a picture of her and Guy Pierce? That'd be hot. I don't, I don't think it is, but like what could be what what could the photo be, you know? Uh, what would you want in your gift basket? had you just experienced uh, a near-death experience oh from oh <laughs> from, right? from a guy that you were quasi dating oh another couple thing. of rolling rocks so couple couple of things annoyed me here finally mayor got smart it took the death of her partner to realize maybe i shouldn't be dating right now i've got a lot on my plate it's not fair to me or those that i'm dating so okay she did the responsible thing then she overdid it Okay, Mayor, it's 2021. Dating rules are a little loose. You're allowed to casually see two people at the same time. She did not have to say, I stood you up on your birthday because I was on a date with my dead partner. Like they were overdoing it with that. Like, was- any, re- any reasonable person would be like, oh my God, first of all, this is like an enormous tragedy. But like tiny, 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 tiny little silver lining is, well, dodge that bullet. I don't have to explain myself or make a decision on who to date. I thought it was kind of a power. <laughs> like move. A, I thought it was kind of a power move where she's like, "I'm just not that into you. I bailed on you to go on a date with this kid. I guess he's not a kid. He's like 34." But I understand they're trying to like she's taking like emotional responsibility, and I'm sure that therapy is helping her to do that. But it was overkill. It was like no, like maybe later down the road she could admit to that, but the guy Pierce handled it well. Guy Pierce was like, "Yeah, okay, whatever." Yeah. <laughs> so, cool. I'm I'm seeing like six other chicks, so it's all good. In college chicks, probably. So I maybe the last thing we see of this relationship, like you kind of mentioned, is the seventh episode riding off into the sunset. Maybe we just leave Mare in a happy place where she's fixed herself through therapy and they're they're dating. Is that like the best case scenario? Or what's Guy Pierce's point for being here? I think what we may have is the last 10 minutes of the finale might be five years or two years or one year in the future. And Siobhan's in Berkeley and Jean Smart has her own apartment downtown, whatever. Um, Faye and what's the ex-husband's Frank? name? Frank. K- Faye, and, Faye and Frank, their fences mended. Um, and, you know, guys moved in with Mayor and he's, you know, just finished this book. That's just like about Mayor's life. Guys moved in I think in that, with- that, 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 be, that, okay, that's not fitting her mom's with the show. House? No. No, no, no. Gene Smart has moved out. Maybe okay. with a man 10 years younger, they live downtown. <laughs> they contribute to the botanical garden in town. Downtown um, Easttown? Downtown Easttown. Uh, this, this, that's not this show. This show is like dark and grim and very real life in the worst way possible. So, And that's a very happier, happily ever, ever after ending. So I don't think that's going to happen, but I hope it does. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. If they go like six months later or one year later and like Shaban's like visiting from Cal and, you know, maybe it's Christmas and the cute little kid and Kevin Bacon's daughter come over and, you know, bring a ham or something. And like, there's a nice picture of, of the dead son up because she's able to like talk about it now. You know what I mean? When she, you mentioned Kevin Bacon's daughter, when she came on um, the bathtub scene, I was looking at her thinking I missed an opportunity to make a one degree of separation joke last week. Also, I, I do think her being offered 
the uppers not taking them and then falling asleep in the tub. I do think we might see her go the opposite way and, and go back to the bad stuff. And then Nair keeps um, custody. Just- okay. Back to that. Back to that. The kid falling in the bathtub while she was asleep was <laughs> again, like the fake out with Dylan taking the, the pillow over to the little baby and not smothering him. That was a little like, you're not going to kill this adorable kid, are you? You're not. You won't. And then they had that quick like look at him in the classic like drowning stance. You know what I mean? It's unnecessarily cruel and, and keyword being unnecessary. We really could have done without both of those. Yeah, I kind of rolled my eyes at that. Like the show does, does so much for the audience in, in terms of like, I love when shows think highly of me. And like respect my intelligence, you know what I mean? And they let us have these conversations about it and we have to p- piece it together when they just like kill a little kid just to kill a little kid. Or like, I shouldn't even say that when they have no intention of killing the kid, but they want us to believe that this kid's going to die in a bathtub. It's like, come on. I don't really think you're going to kill the kid. Okay. But that was also paired. That was like, they were jump cutting that sequence with Dylan and his no name friend chasing down the girl with the picture. Mm-hmm. So it's clear that Dylan still has some secrets that are going to be connected here because if they don't tie that up, that is a, that is a huge loose end. And this is it for me from, for this week. Let's tie this into like what you want to see answered in the finale, because for me, it's the rolling rock. It's who's in the picture. It's what happened that night to whatever extent we get that. But then it's also like, what the heck is going on with Dylan? Why is he the worst person in the world? Cause I don't think he killed Aaron. I don't think he was there. So what did he do that is so bad that he's torturing just this way and being so, so, so terrible to everyone? Like, what did he do that night? I don't know. Maybe he was, he could have been in cahoots with the Rosses because, you know, clearly he has a lot to benefit to benefit by Aaron dying. I guess not a lot because yeah, I don't, I can't, I can't really figure out what Dylan would have to do with the Ross brothers and why he would be there. And why, unless she knows something else about Dylan entirely, in which case it's like, why are we spending so much time? I mean, Dylan pulled out a gun. That's a big deal. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Is like, whatever he is trying to hide is bad enough for him to do that. So what if he didn't kill Aaron? What did he do that is so bad that he's trying yeah. to hide, that he's pulling out a gun and dragging her from out from another car? You know, and he's like the, these extremes. So the killing of Aaron, like meeting her in the woods has to do with the paternity of the father, right? So is it the Rosses trying to hide who the father is and Dylan being mad about who the father is, that it's not him and he's been thinking it was this whole time? Like, I guess all three of them could have been there. I don't think that's the case, though. I don't think that's the case either. I don't know what the hell is going on with Dylan. And when he's like, we're all linked. Because that was, yeah, that four minutes was like heart Mm -hmm. bumping out of your chest. Oh, she's (laughs) under. That was like classic horror movie stuff, too, when she's under the car and she gets pulled out by her. By the way, that happens a lot in movies and TV shows. And you have to be so strong to rip someone that fast by their Mm -hmm. ankles from out of it. And that is just murder on your back. Be good to yourself, spoken, Dylan. Good spoken Lord. like someone with lower back problems. Also, the um, the she's ripped kid. out of she's ripped out of there in like a split second. I know. Um, also, the little kid being like, I can hold my breath for so long. Like, I, I just, I really, I really like that kid. It was, it was an unnecessarily cruel moment. But I just, I again, I love the kid more every week. Um, what else? What else do you want answered? I think I might have just laid out all the main points. I don't know if there's more. No, yeah, like loose ends. I think it's 
I think it's I think we're going to find that that Billy might have pulled the trigger, but circumstances were such that he like had to do it or he accidentally did it or he was like trying to defend Aaron and John got in the way and now John has convinced him that Billy's in the wrong and like Billy has to answer for it. Can I pose one last theory? Sure. Do you remember how up and vanished the podcast ended? So there's the two guys that are on trial for her murder, right? The yeah, friend I, that was like that was like night that was honestly, Lindsay, like 37 podcasts ago. So I can't really put it together anymore. Totally fair. It ends with someone telling a story about the killer one time saying, Yeah, I have a drinking problem. I black out a lot. One time someone told me that when I was blacked out, I killed someone. And the podcast host is trying to say that the real killer was the friend and the killer was blacked out. And the friend told him you killed someone last night when you were blacked out. Mm, yeah. So is it possible that Billy was so drunk, doesn't really remember the circumstances and is taking the blame because John's like, you killed Aaron last night. No, because Billy was somewhat sober because that night he was doing all the laundry. Remember that? Like a drunk person <laughs> doesn't go okay. home and do laundry. That's with fair. Bleach. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. When you said doing all the laundry, it took me a second. But yes, that you're right. So he went home and, and washed his clothes. Okay. Well, maybe he was doing John's laundry too. Maybe. May, I mean, maybe John, maybe John was hammered. And John was hammered. Yeah, you know, there was that, a party. Yeah, John was hammered. And if you go back and watch the second episode, he wakes up and he's very, very hungover. Mm -hmm. And again, he wakes up and puts on a show like a sociopath would. Yeah. Very okay. much like um, Hugh Grant. It's going to be one of the husbands again. Yeah. Well, it's different. At least it, it wasn't the most obvious person, which is what we had with The Undoing, which we've talked about this. This show makes The Undoing seem even worse in hindsight because I enjoyed that show week to week. Fine. It was, it was, we talked about it. It was good enough to talk about, but this show is like, oh, this is what a good, well done crime show is like. And The Undoing was just not that. When you look back. One more little film nerd set design commentary for me or a little piece of observation. <laughs> the home decor in these houses is so shitty. It's so bad. It is awesome. Like Frank's furniture in his little like nook at the back door where Mara comes in all the time. Those are hideous little love seats. And in Lori's house, she's got I think it might be the 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 thumbnail for the episode if you watch on HBO HBO Go. It's Lori standing by her fireplace and she's got these horrendous little knickknacks on the hearth. There's seriously like 17 of them and they're like they're like birdhouses, they're awful and she's got this like wood side paneling. All the kitchens haven't been done since like the late 60s. It's just such a it, they're they're crazy details that just make this show next level. I know that Lori was the thumbnail that I saw. I definitely did not notice all of those things that you're discussing. So clearly yeah, look you're at the paying awful, a lot. Like yeah. the paneling. Yeah. It's so bad. Again, this just, it goes back to every detail about the show is perfect from the characters to the sets, to everything it's it. And it's, I, I guess that's, it's not to say it's a perfect show, but there are just so many details that they do so well that no one else can do. Can I now jump into my rec because it kind of goes off this? What if I said no? What if I wanted to do more set design talk? Well, that's it's about set design. Um, <laughs> Go for it, yeah. One of my favorite things about Hacks is Gene Smart's 
house, mm-hmm. which did you watch the Liberace movie like two years ago on HBO under the behind the candelabra? Yeah. Yeah. Good call. Good. Uh, recall there. Yes. Well, you, you know who directed it? Uh, I do. My boy, my boy Soderbergh. I was going to say, I think it's a Soderbergh one. Um, I should have said that before you confirmed it. Yeah. So the, <laughs> like, and there's a Liberace reference in this first episode. Um, her house is just phenomenal. Like I want to go hang out in this house with Jean Smart, which is basically the best thing about hacks. She's kind of mean, which like, she's supposed to be mean. But aside from that, um, seems like it would be a relatively fun hang. So she's like this aging Vegas residency. Um, by the way, this is on HBO Max. And Jean Smart, of course, is the mom from Maravie's Town, which we've been discussing at length. She's like this aging Vegas residency celebrity. So she does comedy but it's like what you would expect out of a seven-year-old doing comedy in vegas the plot of the show is basically just that there's this like mid-20s comedian in la who writes for a show she makes a dumb twitter joke she gets canceled so to revive her career her manager sets her up with gene smart and he's like you're gonna write jokes for gene smart in vegas and of course gene smart's like i write my own stuff i don't need a writer and the mid-20s person is like this person is old and the show is them slowly becoming friends, maybe, maybe not. But it's it's their partnership kind of at odds with each other. It's it's a B. Like, it, we don't have a rating system. If it was five stars, this is like three and a half stars. But it's watchable. <laughs> it's has like its moments. I don't, it's not laugh out loud funny the whole time by any means. But the sets are great. Gene Smart's great, despite being very mean. And like I said, it's an interesting setup. It's interesting enough if you're looking for something to kind of pass the time or get you to like that next thing but it's definitely not the greatest thing i've watched recently yeah i haven't watched it yet i've, I've seen bits and pieces and i kind of rolled my eyes at the premise because it's something that has been done time and time again you know you have the old veteran in the game and you know the young hungry sidekick apprentice who's just trying to learn but but the old you know, veteran is like quasi threatened by this young whippersnapper because they recognize the changing times. You know what I mean? So like if the more power they give to their assistant, the more power they lose kind of thing. But I'm sure the story arc is going to be that they were best friends and, you know, uh, mid twenties girls career is going to take off. Yeah. I don't, I can't tell, but I mean, obviously that's where you would assume it would go. I've, I'm two and a half episodes in. I don't know how they're formatting it. I don't know how many episodes the first season is. Cause it is a week to week HBO max thing. They didn't just drop it all at once. Did you watch Maisel? Marvelous Miss Maisel? Yeah, it was, it was okay. There's some, some quirky one-liners. Yeah. I mean, I love that show. It's um, Amy Sherman Palladino, who's like my um, Steven Soderbergh, but she's not a director. She's a writer. Um, I love her. I will watch anything she does, but the Jane Lynch character, she's kind of the old hack who like needs to revive her set and partners with Maisel at some point. Like that's kind of what this is. So when you're like, you've seen it before, I haven't seen this exact thing. I am a little tired of cancel culture being brought into these shows that are written by an older generation that don't have like a full grip on cancel culture. I am a little over that being a plot line. I don't need my shows to always be like secretly a critique on cancel culture. 
So you want to cancel all those who are trying to cancel cancel culture? I just think it's a little trite at this point. One way that you're able to write racy jokes and say provocative things on TV now is if you're doing it in such a way that is referencing or paying mind to cancel culture. You know what I mean? And that way you can do it and everyone on both sides of the aisle like is like, okay, you could say that under that, in that context kind of thing. Uh, you know, the people who are trying to cancel things are like, okay, good. They're paying homage. Like they're self-aware that what they're saying is bad. And the other side is like, good. Yeah. Screw those liberals. Like stick it to them. Does that make sense? I agree with you. I do think that's part of it. I also just think that people who are not digital natives have such a fascination with this whole like inability to say one wrong thing and then you're just canceled. I, I think that there's, I think we and a younger generation has a different perspective on cancel culture than an older generation. And I do think that there is just kind of this new obsession from that older generation with like, well, this is horrible. Like the JK Rowling stuff, we're not going to go into any of that, but like, you know, the backlash to the backlash, right. It's like, they're just fascinated in a different way, which I think is just how we've gotten so much of this now. I mean, it's been going on for years, but in every show I watch now, I feel like there's a reference to cancel culture, but again, you can get past that. And the show's fine. It's it's not it's not the greatest thing you're gonna watch, but it's fine. That it's a it's the lukewarm recommendation of the week for me. What's um your rec? Zack Snyder's zombie movie. It's number one on Netflix. It'll be number one for a while. It um I didn't like it. I'm not recommending it, but it got really, really good reviews, and I can tell why. I mean, Zack Snyder was made to do a movie like this, and of course he wrote it and directed it. I will say this about it. It's pretty original, which is saying a lot when you're referring to a zombie movie. I'm all for new ways to tell stories. So you watch this movie and there's the opening and there's like the first like 10 minutes, maybe even less, like five minutes, how they explain how this alpha zombie got loose in Las Vegas. And then the opening title sequence is like a six minute expository montage of what happened in Vegas over the next couple of weeks. And it ends. There's no words. It's literally a montage of like fighter jets coming in and dropping bombs in Vegas and zombies like taking over hotels. And it, it ends with like these freight containers being put around Las Vegas to, to wall off the city and quarantine all the zombies in. And, you know, it just goes like directed by Zack Snyder. And then the next word is some newscast and it's like outrage on the Capitol today as Congress has agreed to uh, drop a nuclear bomb on Vegas to rid us of all the zombies. And so you're like, oh, so that opening title sequence is like canon for the movie ahead. It's really bizarre. So you're supposed like six minutes into the movie, you're supposed to know that Vegas was overrun by zombies, even though no one told you it. You just kind of watched it happen. And in fun, like show to Vegas music set to the tune of like some Elvis song. So that part was really cool. And innovative. So good on you, Zack Snyder. Uh, it's just meh. Like Zack Snyder is the nerd king. I bet a bunch of nerds would love this movie. If you just love sweet zombie kills. Um, interesting facts. Speaking of cancel culture, this movie was shot with Chris Delia. Mm. And he was canceled after Some people raps. deserve to be canceled. So he was canceled. So he was replaced by uh, Tig Notaro. Who is unfortunately kind of misused because Tig's hilarious, but they didn't really put her in a position to be her kind of funny. What's interesting is she shot this movie by herself and they put her in digitally after. So she 
her and Zack Snyder were like on the set. The crew was on the set, but they couldn't get like Dave Bautista and all the actors there. So they shot the movie pretty much shot for shot again, just with her and put her in. How often is she in it? She's like one of the main characters. I didn't realize that until after I just was waiting to record today with you. And I was like, I'm looking it up. And then I found out that her character was supposed to be Christelia. And then Christelia was a bad boy. <laughs> Canceled. And, I will uh, say, Google it if you don't know, but bad boy is an understatement. Um, man with urges from last week level un- understatement. So yeah, um, I didn't, I didn't love it, but it got great reviews and Zack Snyder's gonna, he's, he's riding a, a hot streak right now. So good on you, Zach. So they say, you didn't say the name. It's called Army of the Dead, right? Or something Army of like the that? Dead. Okay. Yep. And then was this a simultaneous theatrical release or no, just Netflix? So. Just Netflix. You Netflix know what? Don't. As I say that, I realize Netflix doesn't do that. So what? Netflix don't play that. Yeah. Okay. So it's only available on Netflix. I'm absolutely never going to watch this movie. Um, I haven't jumped on the other two that you talked about from last week that I plan to still, but this is not for me. This is not my genre, but yeah, like I said, it got shockingly good reviews, like in the seventies audience and, and critics on, on rotten tea. I just, it wasn't for me. Not my jam. Okay. Let's jump into my, something that is for both of us. Do you want to yell at me for this recommendation before I do it? Well, no, just be quick though, because after you reckon recommend this five-year-old television series, I'm going to recommend um, this new show called Modern Family. Okay. From a ratings perspective, we can't play this game because I don't, I think Hulu is one of the ones that truly never releases ratings. Although there are some different metrics now that you can kind of Lindsay, find them. I would be interested won, to know. It won best drama. Did she, um, <laughs> did she, won, this is a, it won, it won best drama six years ago and you're this, recommending it. This is a spoiler. So plug your ears if you haven't watched The Handmaid's Tale. Did she win Best Actress for the baby pooping out scene? I don't when know she, what scene clinched it for her, but was it? I'm saying was won. that was it that year though? I should have googled uh, it. I, I I couldn't I couldn't tell you. 2016 was a while ago. When um, well that was season end of season two, I think. When she was writhing in pain and screaming for 27 minutes in. Uh, the position she was in, I was going to describe it, but use your imagination. Um, I was like, this is a, an Emmy ploy. If I've ever seen one to peel the curtain back, Lindsay today said she was going to recommend uh handmaid's tale, which I think is a little weird considering the show has been out for the better part of a decade. And most TV lovers have seen it. So it's on season four currently, which yeah. I've probably done something before. That- no, it's, is it season four? Yeah. Oh, maybe. Maybe it is. Yeah, it, maybe it took a year off. It simultaneously got renewed for season five, um, but currently airing right now is season four. And if you, I know a couple people who have seen this that, that specifically listen to this podcast, like Venn Diagram Overlap, obviously more than a couple people have seen this. I don't know what the ratings are actually like for the show. So to say it's Game of Thrones level, like Game of Thrones, 30 million people were watching that a week. That's a lie. I actually made that up. That's not true. Those are... um. What's that Ashton Kutcher show? Um, I mean, you're. I mean, Charlie you don't Shane. have to apologize for. You don't have two to and half men. explain why you're. Just, just if you're recommending it, recommend. You don't have to justify it. I do think a lot of people have seen the show. I know people listening to this have seen the show. I wanted to have a semi-spoilerific discussion about the show. 
I don't know how long that'll last. I think that's safe. I think that's safe. What do you want to talk about? So I've been putting the show off because I knew it was dark and depressing. And if you were like me and have simultaneously been doing that, my recommendation is everything you've heard is true. It's very dark and depressing, but it's so good. And just do it. Just like rip the bandaid off and do it. I do think if you're a mother, the show would be more interesting and also more difficult to watch. So as a not mother, I don't know how like different people will perceive that, but the show is amazing. I'm going to get in. So that that's my non-spoiler, just basically being like, it's, it's as dark as you've heard. It's actually probably more dark than you've heard. Like I said, I'm getting desensitized to, desensitized to people just slapping each other because this show is insanely violent and there's not 15 minutes that go by without people just smacking the crap out of each other, which probably unnecessary. I wrote some notes that range from like least spoilery to most. So this will give people who are still thinking of watching it, if you have not watched it, a chance to hit the skip button and go to the notes and look at Jack's final rec. Some of these are statements. Some of them are questions. The first one is, have you thought about the fact that if you had a handmaid, her name would be off Jack? I have. I have <laughs> thought about that. Yeah. I mean, the naming is, is just ridiculous, but we'll, we'll just blow by right that blow right by that one okay it'd be it would be of jack but yeah i have thought about that i know but they kind of pronounce it like i think it's the off fred that yeah yeah the, that throws the off me fred off is a weird one yeah because it's the two f's so i because she's the first one you're really introduced to i think of it as off more than of even though it's supposed to be of um i hate everyone except nick who i love however i should have clarified you're you're caught up right are you week to week season four I haven't watched the most recent episode, but yeah, for the most part, I'm good. So you're about seven episodes ahead of me, maybe oh, wow. eight. <laughs> you have not been lying. Yeah, I watched. So I started the show about a week ago. I'm on season three, episode seven, I believe. When, like, when I say I've watched a lot of the show, I've basically just been in any of my free time watching the show. This is why I'm not recommending anything else this week, because all I've been doing is watching The Handmaid's Tale. And it's a very easy to devour while also being very difficult to binge because it is very dark. Um, Rory Gilmore is a serial killer. That one's been interesting. So this is very spoilery. The one thing that the show doesn't do is it never kills main characters. I thought we were rid of Aunt Lydia and they just <laughs> come back. Why is that a bad take? It's just funny. It's like, welcome to 2017. Like you're complaining that the, I agree the, the show that, that, what is not great about this show is that the stakes are never that high because you know you're not going to lose any of the main players. That's why the show should have wrapped up, I think, after season two. Having her pregnant was a great ploy to not kill her. But once they're done with that, like she'd be dead as hell. She'd be so dead. Mm -hmm. She'd be beyond dead. Because everything she does is terrible. Like we talk about Mare being up to semantics. Like everything Offred does, June, whatever, is. She's scheming. Like, yeah, it deserves like the by their punishment standards. She because would every, have been on the wall a long time ago. Every every like tertiary character she runs into that like helps her a little bit, like gives her a place to stay for a night, is like immediately dead the next mm -hmm. day. So she like has this trail of dead people behind her, but she just uh, keeps on avoiding it. I have rewritten the narrative and told myself that the man on the wall that she saw whose feet were only exposed was not actually the delivery driver because I liked him too much and his son mm. was very cute. And so I've just chosen to believe that that was not really him because we don't know. You don't know. Mm. We don't. 
Um, Bradley Woodford is a king. And speaking of hacks, like I'm not laugh out loud funny at that one. I laugh out loud every time Bradley Whitford says something in the show. Like he is the perfect dry humor. And I've loved him since he was on the West Wing. And he like brings that level of dry sarcasm and wit to this show. Am I supposed to hate him though? I don't know. It's up to your own interpretation. My last observation is just that June is the worst escape artist of all time. And there is something frustrating with knowing there's five seasons of this show because like she really first made her first earnest attempt at escaping early season two, which is kind of silly because like that's when she was living in the Boston globe and you knew she wasn't going anywhere because it's early season two. And even if I knew that there were not five total seasons of this show, she's obviously not getting out for good in episode three of a season. So I don't really understand. There's no stakes. Like, you know, she's going back to Gilead and it's a little frustrating to watch her just keep trying to escape because you know it's never going to lead anywhere. I do think yeah. there might be something going on now, but I don't know for sure. That show went from like one of my favorite shows, one of one of the best shows on TV, to now it's just like kind of eye-rolly. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah, she's always like right about to figure it all out and be the hero and then one thing goes wrong or she'll turn down an opportunity to freely escape to Canada, which I'm of the opinion that she'll have a, a hell of a easier time trying to get her daughter from Canada than trying to do it from Gilead. Yes. Why would you do it in a place? Why would you try to help Hannah in a place where you have absolutely no rights, no power, no nothing versus somewhere where people will actually like listen to you and well. We're not mothers, so maybe we just don't know. I really um <laughs> parents just don't understand. I, I please all the mothers that have made it this far, text me and tell me your handmade thoughts. Cause I really well, if you've watched it, obviously, I really don't know that as a mother I would, would be able to watch this show. But I do think it also like you understand the connection with the baby. I don't know, whatever. Um, so that is my recommendation. If you have not watched Handmaid's Tale, do it. It's like oh, and in other news. I know a couple of people have watched this, but just FYI, I'm, you know, season three, episode two of Game of Thrones, and I really like Rob Stark's new love interest. I think she is effing adorable. And um, yeah, sorry, spoiler alert. I just, I hope it all, everything works out. I made it that far and I actually don't even know who that is. Was that the wedding? Oh, that's the red wedding. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. What's your third rec or second rec? My, yeah, my, my final one. I watched the Oprah mental health deal. I watched the first episode. I do not recommend it. It's it's very important. It, it, uh, interesting take on Harry. And, you know, he kind of explains how he got to where he's at. I recognize that it probably it's takes some 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 balls, some gumption to to say what he's saying on air. But it's just a it's a downer of a program. I don't walk away from that feeling better about mental health. I feel much worse about it. <laughs> I feel like there's like no hope to be honest with you. But again, I only watched part one of the five hour deal. So what is it? Apple, what is, Apple TV plus. What is it called? It's called you don't, uh, the me you can't see. Oh yeah. Okay. 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 And I've just kind of have, I've had enough of Harry at this point. Yeah, the Oprah interview with them a couple weeks, uh, months ago. Oh, I have no guess what? There's more. 
time. Well, I was just going to say it's, it's, that was such a big thing that I think they were hoping would parlay into success for the show, which honestly, maybe it has, but I do think that there is an oversaturation aspect to it for sure. Um, any other thoughts on the me you can't see? No, it's not very good. It's kind of <laughs> meh. I was hoping for like some scandalous stuff and maybe that comes later, but I will not be returning to it. From Harry or just in general? From Harry. I think the scandal. They, they, he says scandalous stuff. I'm pretty sure. I thought the scandalous I stuff. I know. Yes. I know was a lot in of the scandalous original. stuff came. Right. But um, she's not in this. This is just Harry. And from what I understand, Harry said some things that they're not happy about. Well, I think they're just unhappy people in general. All right. Any other thoughts for the week? Are you going to watch the Friends reunion? Reunion? Whoa. Are they going to have a laugh track on it? Um, James Corden's involved, is... so they might need one. There's no audience, right? It had to be filmed during Corona. There's That's something that hasn't aged well is the laugh track. Unless, I mean, it, it works if you're watching Seinfeld or Friends because it's so 90s. But imagine watching something with a laugh track today. Yeah, it's crazy how but we grew up with them. Like, it's crazy how we were slowly transitioned out of that by Hollywood. We just... I think a lot of people, especially in middle America, still watch like multicam sitcoms. And by that, I mean like it's like a play on a studio soundstage and there's three cameras that they cut to. Like everybody loves Raymond style. Okay. So no other thoughts for the week. I'm going to watch the Friends reunion. The James Corden aspect of it is strange, but we'll just keep rolling past that. And I promise not to recommend that next week. Okay. Goodbye. Goodbye. Okay,